You think they're hearing the music yet? No, it's intro music. You, gotta, you can't talk over intro music. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, here's the intro music's on, man. All right. Today is a pretty interesting day, man. I mean, this is a pretty freak weekend that I, happened, man. I don't know. People are going to think that we made this stuff up just to build hype around your episode on Friday. But we've got like the the screenshots to I know, prove I, it. I like I, I I told Terrence and like dude <laughs> like nobody's gonna believe this. Yeah. yeah I know, man. So anyway, uh, so that gives you a little uh, hype of what's coming coming today. But what are we gonna do first? Yeah, uh, let's give away some, some All right, man. order do, just man. orders today. Nobody just had orders. anything in their cart. No, but... no carts, man. All right. So uh, hey, for those of you who don't know, uh, become preferred reefer. Hit the little preferred reefer link, uh, link in the footer, and uh, hey, you can get what's in your cart or what you bought for free. Uh, Travis Leon, man, uh, you got $75.76 back. Nice. An 800-watt titanium heating element uh, from Phoenix. Which we'll talk about today. Yep, some liquid iodine supplement from uh, Brightwell Aquatics. Uh, large uh, coral frag discs from uh, Ocean's Wonders. And it's total $75.76. Nice. Going back to your account, man, go buy some new. I'll get that to you today. Awesome. Do you really do it like day Every, As soon as we leave here, well, before I leave the office, I go in, I credit them, and then I send everybody an email. said, hey, go get your points. Go spend Bravo, them. Bravo, man. Good job. <laughs> All right. Uh, Robert Quinlan here, uh, Cypress, Texas. Uh, you're getting a, well, you already got this stuff. Uh, well, I don't know. When did you buy it? Yeah. Uh, Just recently. The 10th. Yeah, he's last week. Last yep, Monday. He's got yeah, it, man. He already got it. All right. One cartridge refill of DI resin, uh, six-stage replacement RODI filter kit, it is that a time. quarter gallon of uh, bulk GFO, and some NO3 PO4X uh, reducer from uh, Red Seat, man. Yeah, $122.96. Going back. back to your account, man, get something new. Today. All I'll right. get it awesome. in there today. All right, so for those of you who don't know, go ahead. Hit the preferred reefer we, link. Uh, oh, yeah. No. Well, it's everywhere. Yep. So, it is all the time. And then you, uh, well, on top of that, it was a preferred reefer. If you don't get drawn for this, you know, once a month at the beginning of every month on a Saturday, we do like 10 times rewards points on a lot of things well, do, do, for community appreciation. It's President's Day. And then there's a sale today. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. We're not trying to pitch you anything. We yeah. just want to talk bye, about bye, monitors. Bye, bye. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It is President's Day sale, so yeah, go ahead and buy something if you want. There you go. Uh, we'll give it away next week. All right, so today we're going to go wrap up uh, the conversation about monitoring that we had last week. Yeah. And kind of ties a little bit into the, even the live that we had before, which is kind of upgrade the chances of your success and stuff. Mm -hmm. We'll answer all kinds of questions today uh, about it. Like, uh, I think hopefully this is like a heavy question day, man. I really like to answer a bunch of them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the biggest question that we had between stemming from last Friday's video, even further back, like Mondays when we were talking about higher percentage, uh, I think the question that we asked everywhere was, do you need a controller in order to have a successful reef tank? You know, the answer is no, man. Like, all over it, we answered no. I mean, like, so that need word is super strong, man. And like, True. why everybody like, yeah, you yeah. know, gets all hung up on that stuff. And absolutely not, man. Like, uh, you know what? Like, I don't really need uh, like a car to get to work. I can take a bus. That's true. You know, uh, but I'd prefer my car. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't. I don't know. There's a variety of things in life that are that way. So in this case, man, I think what you know really start to think about is you start to think about like, can I set my tank up this year mm. uh, without any way to monitor it? Yeah, for sure. Like, oh, for sure. Especially Those I think brand years? new, man. Yeah. Like uh, things are probably not going to break. Yeah. Like yeah, no problem, man. Uh, it's like you know, once I send it like two, three, four year mark. And you know, one of the things that we were really hitting on is like, 
it's not really about control. Right. You know, that that's a cool part of the whole thing. It's about absolutely monitoring first. Like, so no I know way. when my heater failed. I know when my return pump failed. I know when, like, you know, the power heads are all gummed up and need to be replaced or, uh, you know, cleaned or whatever. I know pH or ORP, like, not so much ORP. Well, like, it's some degree ORP, ORP, but, you know, things are going out of whack. I can tell you something. Well, I mean, it's the age of, uh, it's kind of like the age of monitoring, regardless. Like, you monitor your credit. You monitor, you know, your identity protection. <laughs> you, uh, these are things that you get alerted for. You want to yeah. know when somebody's going like, to try creating a credit card under my name. You know, I why mean. Not, why not save my tank? I thought that was stupid when you said that, but now I think about it, it's absolutely right. <laughs> I, <laughs> Because, like, if I'm monitoring my credit, man, which seems, you know, like, I, I don't do that personally. I should, you know. <laughs> I, mean, I should go get, like, LifeLock or yeah, whatever yeah. it is right now. Not a sponsor. You know, but, uh, you know, like, the thing about it is it's most valuable when you know about it the sooner it happens. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. like, I'd prefer to know when they first, uh, like, try to go buy some diamonds or something on yeah. my credit card. True. Versus, like, when they've, uh, like, taken out a new home loan or something against my name. Like, uh, I'd like to know early on the process, right? Yeah. And so, the sooner you know, same thing with the tank. Like, I mean, one way or another, you're going to know your heater failed because, yeah. like, like it, I mean, you could know just because you got an alert on your phone or you could know because you came back and, like, things are... Dying, ruined. dead, or... Go in that direction. Go in that direction. Like one way or no, you're gonna find out sooner or later. Uh, but it could be weeks, you know, if it's mm -hmm. down actually mm -hmm. or low, or it could be, you know, hours if it was high. Yeah. Right? You know, there's something to be said about that first year too, getting by without needing yeah, I mean not needing, but yeah, maybe you don't need to monitor this and that all brand new equipment and uh, Something about that newer tank too. I know that first year that I had my first tank set up, uh, my hands were always in that tank. So a uh, temperature thing, I could probably notice it. Uh, probably. Something, something about a pump not working, I could probably notice yeah, it. Yeah, and that uh, we were talking about like getting one of them little, you know, little strips that you put on your tank. Oh, you the know? sticky on the ones. Sticky yeah, yeah, temperature, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. at minimum that man. It's like a glance at it in for a day. sure. You know, they're not like yeah. super accurate, but like if something's way off, man, I can see it now. Yeah, you know? true. But yeah, uh, you know the the heart of the, like the like most interesting thing that happened this weekend for sure. <laughs> All right, and uh, like one of it, I didn't really like dawn on me immediately but we had two tanks fail and the apex was involved in both of them yeah. uh and so like uh it'll be really interesting one element of it apex saved us other element apex actually kind of like failed but it might even be our fault here in fact I, i'm gonna go I'm ahead pretty and say sure it is it's probably my fault i'll definitely blame you <laughs> okay so you okay. know like we'll, we'll get in here like we're again we're talking about monitoring and we're talking about saving the tank so the two mm -hmm. tanks that were involved were the uh softy ulm yep. Yep. and the 160 here right and so like you know i'm gonna start with the softy ulm okay. first right that one's pretty uh, easy. and so that one like uh, out of nowhere man like uh the alarm starts going off and it says that it's like taking 2,000 watts or 25,000 2,500 yeah, watts. Yeah, it's dropped below the parameters that we set or above the parameters that we set. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could throw up that sheet, we've man. We've got a, a couple graphs of this yeah, one. Yeah, I took this a couple is, graphs of it. Is it is it that one? No. Uh, URL, ULM power. ULM power. It's a big drop-off. No, it's not that guy. Uh, nope. Oh, oh, return pump right there. The return pump. There, uh, you there you go. Here it is. Boom. So like out of nowhere, it was doing like 2,500 watts and then it like just died. Okay, right? so <laughs> it was doing 2,500 watts 
and the yeah. how long? Yeah. I mean, I don't really know how long that was, but you know, like it definitely wasn't taking twenty five hundred watts, by the way. No. And uh, the guy who takes care of the tank. Actually, took the tank, take took the pump out to you uh, or to clean it, and it started sparking. You oh know, yeah. Uh, so like pumps dead, man. Like probably started leaking water into it somewhere it shouldn't right, or right, whatnot, right. and that's probably why you're getting that crazy reading. Uh, but now it's dead, right? So you know, in this case, man, we didn't really save the tank because we got two return pumps. So anybody remembers the ULM thing was all about yeah. redundancy, so you don't have to worry about the tank as much. It, so yeah. we added that second seat. These are CJ three point fives, I think, or four point or something like that. I think three or three threes or three point fives. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two of them in there one going out of each overflow mm -hmm. and so like you know when they failed like the other one kept going yeah you know no problem man and so probably wouldn't even have noticed man made the water levels a little lower or something in there but like it's it's going and there, you know the life supports connected to the tank still like the pumps really like the hard lifeblood of the tank for sure so props to uh, terrence actually over at neptune because it was like i don't know man years ago that he reminded recommended me like hey man i always have two return pumps and like when he said it, it immediately, like, like, yeah. why would I have never done that before? <laughs> you know, like, why did we do the 160 with yeah, a single I'm, pump? Yeah, you're like, yeah. like, I got all this equipment and it's connected with one pump. Mm -hmm. One pump I know for sure is going to fail or seize full of uh, and like, uh, you know, precipitate and stuff. It happens all the time. Some point in time. Could yeah. be could be multi-years down the road. Could be like in the case of the ULM, could be within like the a year, right after a year. Those yeah, are about a year old. Yeah, a little bit over a year probably. Yeah, yeah so like uh, it's only been a year, man. One of them failed, but would have never known. But in this case, mm. you know what? Like uh, uh, Tex got the alert, went in there, changed out the return pump, and we're good. And even knows to maintenance the other one now, right? Yeah. Uh, and catch that. And so like this time, man, the, you know, lifeblood or the heart that keeps all this life support connected to the tank, you know, temperature, filtration, everything that's connected to the tank, you know, failed, but like the heart step kept going and really, man, the tank never saw skip a beat, really, man. It was like, replace it. So the combination of knowing that it failed and that we had a redundant solution in there. And by the way, with the C-Chase, Two of the smaller pumps yeah. is about the same cost as one of the large That's ones. So like, it doesn't even come at like a cost. It's just a way, 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 way better way to do it. So it worked out really well. Yeah, I mean, like, like you know, everything so that we preached about uh, redundancy and backup and all this other stuff. Absolutely, there was. You know, I didn't even, I didn't even dawn on me actually, because this is Friday, so this is the day that the, you know, the monitoring video went out, and like, I don't know, it's just like part of the normal thing. Like the apex goes off, tells you it broke, something's broke, fix yep. it. Didn't even dawn on me, like, oh man, that'd be cool to talk about it Monday yet. Until I got uh, some alerts at, uh, what was it, <laughs> was Saturday it, night? Saturday night. I think it was Saturday night. Yeah, about uh, 9 30, 10 o'clock at night. Uh, yep. we, we were getting alerts on our phones. Yeah, so it's 9 30, 10 o'clock at night. I got to tell you, the desire to get, like, <laughs> you know, ready to go back to work and go check on alerts here. It's pretty low. I live 40 uh, minutes away, so even even lower over here. Yeah, 40 minutes, man. Yeah. Like, in, because half the time, it, you know, like it's something that probably could wait, but you just don't know. In this case, the temperature had dropped down to 75 degrees, right? Yeah. And like the alerts are going off, my phone's blown up, little push message things going off, yep. you know. Yep. And uh, I call up Tex. And he's like, don't worry about it, man. I'm already on the way in there. I'm like, oh, you're the man. <laughs> uh, and luckily, the tech lives pretty close here. And so what had happened, man, is uh, at first, man, like both the heaters failed. Not it, one, it but two. It felt like it, yeah. Yeah, both. and I'm like, 
Wow, man! Mm -hmm. Like right on the like a day after we did this video, like I mean that both of them failed, man. Like what are the chances? We've got the graphs to prove the dates like, that yep. were, that this absolutely happened. But. So that isn't the story, though. It isn't the heaters that failed, uh, and uh, there's a a mix of failure that like uh, personal human being failure that Randy already decided to own, so I'm gonna let him have it. Okay, and uh, I'll take my share. Hey, so <laughs> so if you think about it, this so this is leading up to me being the, the cause of the root cause of the problem here uh, you've got the ULM tanks all three of them you've got the BRS 160 we've got the Red Sea tank in the studio we've got the now the 750 XXL mm -hmm. and then you know when I had my um, the apex hooked up to my desk the office of my, or the the tank in the in the desk I had that one too yeah. so at any given time I could be notified or alerted by Five, five or six different tanks. Well, you got to set them all up right, too, man. And There's then you a lot have, of setup. Oh, a lot oh. of setup. Okay, so this is what happened. Uh, the first thing is that I'm going to own this end of it. So uh, what actually happened is the outlets on the Apex failed, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of them failed entirely, and the other one is probably just real close and on its way out and maybe just failed now and is going to hit you yeah. know, probably pretty soon. Okay, and so, you know, inside of those, for those you don't know, there is a relay inside there where it clicks on and off to turn the outlet on and off. And there's like a little moving part in there, mm -hmm. and there's two little contacts that get dirty and mm -hmm. stuff over time. And where I failed is I set the thing up to <laughs> one-tenth really of a degree on tiny. and off. Uh, that means it's probably turning off, you know, 500 times a day. Or so, yeah. yeah 500 times a day. We decided 82,000 times a year. 182,000 times a year, I think we decided, which is like, <laughs> you know, it's been on for over three years, you yeah. know, so like three and a half years on there. Yeah, so the, the episode was like mid-year, yeah, August 2015 when you did the heater episode for this. That's when those heaters first went in. Yeah, so yeah. we're talking about three and a half years, man. We're talking about these things turning on and off one million times wow. you know so the, the relay wore out so you know actually man cool like the thing turned off a million times man I got my money out of it yeah. like it, it it worked for for you an know? average reefer or for you know, the no more normal hysteresis where I can fluctuate maybe two degrees before toggling off and on the power yeah we're talking like Three, probably a much longer double triple length of time maybe yeah so here's the thing man you want to get more life out of it well, you know, set it to point 0.2 uh, hysteresis before it turns mm -hmm. on and off, or point 0.3 or even point 0.5, right? Because mm -hmm. you're going to, you know, turn them off, you know, correspondingly less times, yeah. you know? So you could probably get a decade out of it if you turn it to point 0.3 instead yeah. of point 0.1, just in terms of the amount of times those contacts come together and wear mm -hmm. each other out and the moving part in there. Yeah. And so just for your know, like, they use relays in all of the outlets just because uh, for most applications uh, in Aquaria, uh, it's just a better option than a solid state option just mm. because it works with low voltage right. items and you know just it works on everything in there and uh, it's just a better option than, mm. than solid state in most cases so the old apex had like two relays and like six solid yeah, states and they upgraded all the relays triac, all of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so on our end man uh, we wore those things out so uh, what does it look like uh, the graph let's bring up the graph oh uh, let's bring up the graph so heater, heater pump fail uh fail right so, uh, oddly enough, man, like the, this really goes to the point that like things fail at the same time, right? And mm. so we talk about like, you know, redundancy and I think we've talked about hard drives and all that kind of stuff. Like 
these things are come off the line at the exact same moment, right? And yeah. they were built the same tolerances in the same ways. And so if you use them the exact same, you know, your hard drives fail at a similar time because they've been spinning the exact same way for the exact same revolutions. Mm. Your taillights tend to break real similar times. You yeah. know, the little filament's been turned on and on about the same amount of times. Yeah. You know, and not exactly. But in this one, you can see here it failed at... Uh, like noon on the 17th yeah that flat right? line mm -hmm. yep the so the flat, flat line, line in the end there uh a heater uh left i guess it would call it's called heater one or uh -huh. something uh that one failed uh and that was the one that actually started dropping until we saw so the alarm the next uh, the next one heat one normal is what it looked like on a normal week basis yeah, yeah you so see how little how low the flat parts are i mean there are times when it's pulling zero watts because it doesn't need to heat you can see the difference between that on and, and the off gaps. Cycles. Oh yeah, yeah, and you can see here, like uh, also, there's little midway points there at about a hundred and uh, some some watts uh -huh. in there, and uh, the Eheim heater actually kind of warms up. So we we notice when you turn it on that you know it goes about halfway or whatnot, and then it goes up all the way. Mm. So uh, the Eheim heater, just the way it's designed, kind of hits in both points uh, as it's warming up. And so the apex is also taking readings like every, I don't know what that is, but five minutes right, or so. It's right, not right. continuous monitoring. Okay. So it's just representative of how it's turning on and off. All right. So let's look at the one called uh, heat to, yeah, that one right there. <clears throat> Boom. Ah, All right. So the heater right, I guess we call it, or two or whatnot, mm -hmm. that guy actually failed on the 12th. You know, and you notice it's like, you know, turn on every once in a while. Mm. And that's probably because the two contacts there are really dirty from arcing that million times. And, you know, sometimes when it's triggered, it's actually coming together, but yeah. most times it's not, uh, okay. you know? All right. And so that's probably why you see it working every now and then there. Uh, Definitely. I mean, there's three days, there's like two and a half days there where it just is off. Yeah. So both of these things failed uh, inside of, and by the way, none of the other outlets on the thing failed. It's these two that we turned on and off, uh, you know, a million times. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here's the uh, million dollar question, man. Like, why didn't we know on the 12th, man? Uh, so, yeah, maybe you can go back to us here. Uh, yeah. So, like, why didn't we know on the 12th? Uh, this thing has power monitoring, uh -huh. right? And, like, should uh, allow us to let us know that, like, Hey man, heater, you know, two or the right one failed on the 12th. Most likely, I'm gonna say that we had the uh, email alarms or the alarms turned off because we were tired. I was tired of getting them. No, I think this one you is think? actually not set up. It's not. Oh, yeah. for the wattage drop. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we had the temperature warning range set up, and that's how we originally found out that it dropped below our target. Mm -hmm. But the ambient room temperature is almost enough to keep that you know steady or above our target you know uh, yeah maybe uh maybe that that high but we didn't turn it on i, I think yeah. the number one reason i can't remember it was three and a half years ago uh like and sometimes things don't get circled back to but when the apex just came out you know like if you remember yeah. yeah it was actually like right when we were doing this series when mm -hmm. the a new apex came out it's they true. sent us when we set it up and it did have power monitoring but it was pretty wonky to set up, right? And so like we yeah. just, I mean, we're jamming here, shooting videos and just really trying to get it going. And we didn't. But now, uh, if you can go and find uh, the ULM power, uh, no, 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 no. Power no. alarm. Uh, our, uh, power alarm, here. Top right. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Now, man, like you just, 
like it's, hit it's the five, task button. It's a four-step process. That's yeah. What it is. Click, so click, we should have circled back, man, and done yeah. this for sure. Yeah. Otherwise, we would have known the moment that the heater failed. Like so, all those times where it was clicking on, and sometimes was working, and sometimes wasn't. Uh, you know, then we in that really in those times, we would have known because it would have said this heater should be taking you know 250 watts, and it is not, not. Right, yeah. and it would let us know immediately. But we didn't have it set up, man. So shame yeah. on us, right? For and, sure. You know, luckily the temperature thing caught it, and luckily, you know, really even more so, you know, we're using essentially the tank sitter option because mm -hmm. it ain't just going to Randy and myself; it's also going to uh, Thomas, who mm -hmm. takes care of the tanks, and he gets the alert and he runs in to take care of it. So you know, tank sitter options working. You know, in the sessions, there's more than one person looking at these tanks and taking care of yeah. them. Well, the, so the wattage draw setup is uh, is valuable, not just in heaters for sure, because like. Mm -hmm. So when you first like say you first plug in a, a pump to to your apex your energy bar 832 right uh, it takes some time for it to build a history of what the operating wattage should be uh, but now when you so you give it a week or so with everything plugged in circle back to the wattage and you can do things like your lights and it'll tell you when especially for us here because we play with the lights uh, now and then to film and do all this other stuff so if it's outside of the wattage draw for the lights it saved us on the fuge before the fuge light yep. wasn't wasn't turning on and it sent us an alarm and said hey during this time, it's supposed to be on, and it's not drawing any wattage. And you can use it for turn the, almost turn everything. Turn the intensity knob too far down. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those especially with those things with adjusting intensities, like LED lights and stuff like that. We sense taped you, it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, if it's uh, if it's not operating within that window period of wattage, it can tell you if somebody's bumped it, messed with it, or it's just not working at all. Yeah. Uh, all right, so like really, man, I'll just kind of summarize, man, uh, the uh, yes, ULM softy tank, it, the Apex let us know the moment that the pump failed. We went and fixed it, replaced it. Tank never hit hit a beat, uh, missed a beat. Yeah. Uh, on the tank here, uh, the tank definitely dropped to 76 degrees or 75, 75 point something, something yesterday. We caught it, and you know it would have been on Saturday, man. So who knows what it would have dropped to by, by you Sunday. know Sunday, yeah. and it would have been there all until today. You know if we didn't have a monitor for it. And, you know, that's really the thing, man, is like having that monitor when you're not around to let you know that it happened. And even at the most inconvenient times at 10 o'clock on Saturday, the last thing any of us want to do is like go back to work. But, you know, like, uh, <laughs> could, have saved, could have saved the day here. Yeah, so yeah. absolutely. And then behind that, man, like, it, if you can't, if if, the, if you don't set the features up, man, they don't work either, yeah, right? Yeah, true. And so on our end, you know, like we're just trying to shoot an episode, like an hour-long episode on controllers and stuff three years ago, and man, we just didn't get to that one part of it, and, and mm -hmm. for whatever reason, didn't cycle back. You know, all the other ones are, you know, power monitoring and whatnot. It just didn't circle back because it was just not on the list, man. So you know, if, if it would have, we would have known about it right away. Luckily, the temp thing is going to catch it regardless, you know, so we just caught it one step past that, yeah. you know. Uh, but again, I think it's we, super interesting that both these things failed at the same time. Oh, one other thing, actually. What's up? <clears throat> so we got the heaters here. Oh, yeah. So to some degree, the heaters actually did fail. So these are, for those of you who, like, want to reminisce, you know, in old world, these are two 300-watt Eheim heaters that we installed in the tank, like, three years three ago. Three years ago. Yeah, so, like, if you want to reminisce on these things, you go ahead. Uh, but 
like we went and actually tested them to make sure that they're functioning and they are functioning and they do turn on to like 250 watts or whatnot yeah you know for what those you know like most these heaters that say 300 watts or not they're just a little bit under. yeah most of them are under but like uh in this case you know what we found was uh they actually like were not turning on anywhere near the degrees. Oh, the that, set points, yeah. yeah. The set points way, way, way off. So it was turning off at, at or no, it was turning on at off at seventy four degrees. So like this thing's just off by like you know almost five degrees, you know, from where we had it set, and so. You know, that's one of the things I've heard, and I can't guarantee this, but I've heard that about these types of heaters that rely on the bimetal thermostat, is they work a long time sometimes, but the accuracy of the start the uh, thermostat the thermostat changes over time mm. as that metal just starts to not be as accurate. Right. That may be one of the reasons why this is one of the few uh, heaters that actually has the ability to calibrate it on the top. Right. It's like, you probably need to. You know, uh, over time. Over time, you readjust, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I got to be honest, man. We got three and a half years out of these things, and uh, after I'm going to throw them in the trash. After your heater episode that we talked about with the life expectancy you got out of it uh, and heating the tank of the BRSWWC series, like we should have yeah. replaced these uh, once a year, right? Yeah, so, you know, sometimes also, like, you uh, do as I say, not as I do kind of thing, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's we're all guilty of that. So, like... What I'm trying to give a lot of times is the best advice. Right. Like, you know, like, hey, you asked me what was going to help my tank the most, and I'll give it to you. It doesn't mean that, like, I'm going to necessarily do it. And so what you've heard out of me a lot is throw your, your heaters away every year, mm. right? Mm. And, well, you know, clearly we didn't do that here. Uh, but, like, and that's even why, like, in those videos, and, like, I know nobody's going to do this, but this is the best advice to do. You right. Know? Like, uh, and I know it because I'm not doing it here, but... Like it is the smartest thing to do. We don't know when it's gonna fail. That's the thing. Is uh, we those I've seen CHA pumps like these CHA pumps here that have ran for multiple multiple years and never failed. But this one, one of these ones kind of did kind of did it after a year. It could have been the same thing with these heaters too. Well, so for what it's worth, in that last video we said uh, actually throw them out somewhere around the warranty period, mm -hmm. you know, and you know these guys have a three-year warranty, That's so I'm gonna throw it. them out. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know what? They didn't actually fail, fail, but when they're off by five degrees, yeah. I'm gonna call it fail enough. Uh, yeah. For my purposes, I get too much reliant on these things to worry about, you know, trying to get an extra year out or something out of them. That's just garbage for me. Mm. So there you go. So I got a couple of things though beyond that. Like uh, I was talking to Terrence a little bit about <clears throat> the best way to set these things up. You know, like do you use the apex to control it or, or control the heater? Or do you use the heater's controller to control the heater? And which one of these things backs each other up? You just how how well do you trust the thermostat built into a heater if there that, is one that so that's the question right and so what we got out of it is a couple of different things that we'll, we can share here and that is and then we're going to get to questions uh and so the couple of things that we got to here was you know if you have uh, spent big bucks for like a neotherm heater where that thing is controlling the temperature down to like a hundredth of a degree yeah, almost, yeah, man, yeah. like maybe you want to rely on that, 
you know, and you can use the internal thermostat on a really high quality, you know, heater that you invested in, and then use the apex to back it up. Mm -hmm. And in that case, the apex like is going to be just on, you know, all the time, right? You know, for the the out or the relay will be turned on all the time, and then. The heater itself is controlling it, and right. then you just set it to some point that if it ever goes over a certain degree, apex, turn it off, let me know. And there's a, an, you know, advantage there is, uh, hey, you know, now uh, I'm protecting the, you know, EB832, right. you know, which is, you know, more expensive than the heater in some cases, mm -hmm. and maybe mm -hmm. not in the neotherm if you got two of them, but, you know, it depends on what you bought. But the EB8 uh, or 3.2 is expensive, you know, thing so I want to make sure I take care of it and not turn those outlets on and off a million times is probably you right. know, gonna help me do that <laughs> right uh, and so like yeah so set the controller up to back or set the heater to maintain the temperature for your tank you know have mm -hmm. it ideal uh, or you have a really good one then back it up with your apex the but other part about that that's actually really nice is that in that case if the heaters internal uh, temperature controller actually fails on on You'll know because the apex will uh, go off and tell you, right? Oh, no, true. And turn it off. And so, in the other flip case, if you use the apex to control the heater mm -hmm. and the a controller in the heater has failed on, you'd really never know. You know, like yeah, yeah. you won't know that that's happened because you're relying on the apex first. And so, you'll get alarms and stuff, and I can probably go open my phone and just manually turn the power off or whatnot. But like uh, if, uh, you know, the temp probe in there failed, you know, and they do. So like a, it's a temp probe, man. They, they have a finite life. Right. It doesn't right, matter right. where you got it from. So sitting in submerged in salt water, it, like I, I think we probably replaced like three of them and, in like all my life here. I, can you think of, I know we replaced one here. That was, a, that was the first and only time I remember replacing the okay, temp so probe. Like, if three, maybe only on one. here. Yeah. Uh, but it's pretty rare. So, yeah. but they do fail, you know? And so the flip side of this is, so say I buy some really cheap heaters, like okay. uh, and buy, you know, like crappy heater. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you paid 30 bucks for it, have about $30 worth of expectations out of it. <laughs> okay. You know, like, you know, like that's, it's just, it was the cheapest heater I could buy. Uh -huh. Well, it's probably the cheapest heater you could buy, you know? So in that case, I, you know, maybe in like if the temp, you know, if the temperature is gonna go way out of whack, I may very well want to use the apex to, you know, control it because the thermostat that thing is just all over the place, right, right. you know, and I may, you know, but, you know, I may actually even want to not do that. I just don't want to buy a $30 heater, I, to be honest, <laughs> uh, you know, in most cases. So, uh, you know, these guys actually served us well, uh, but, you know, those are really simple. For those of you who don't know, I, have you seen a video of uh, Eheim heater before? Let's see if I can find it. It's hard to see in here. Yeah, you got to take this little thing off. But a lot of the heaters have a lot of electronics in them, you right. know. And so there will be, you know, a bunch of computer chips and all this stuff in there. And this guy here, uh, all there is is the heating coil and two little pieces of metal in there. One of them's got a magnet on it. Mm -hmm. And as the temperature changes, the, you know, piece of biometal thermostat just kind of like moves closer and then it snaps together. Yeah. Right? And just based on the temperature, it just cools down, the metal wants to get apart and it pulls apart, you know? <laughs> and so there's like really almost nothing to go wrong with this other than that metal just kind of wears out and that arc. Yeah. And so the arc that's happening in there, actually there's this is a really good point. and everything. <clears throat> mm -hmm. 
So one of the reasons that we use these at Eheims in the you know originally was it was dissimilar technologies. Yeah, yeah. Know? It was mechanical uh, coupled with electric or electronic. So you had the redundancy of the mechanical relay in that specific heater mm -hmm. on top of the apex controlling that specific heater. So now you've got like two layers, two different types of technology working for each other. So in reality, like even though the heaters didn't fail in this case, what we had done is set the temperature so high in these things so that only if it hit a really catastrophic you know, temperature would they ever turn off. Mm -hmm. And so what happened is the two little metals are stuck together forever. Right, because oh, yeah. the apex is turning them off. Uh -huh. So you know we're not wearing those metals out. So what happens every time the thing is arcing 300 watts, you know, to it? What happens as soon as they get really close to each other, a little metal arc goes across the, the two little contacts, and sometimes they fuse, fuse together. together. Right? Right, 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 right. So like after a million times, man, one of two things will happen: uh, they'll corrode and get so much stuff on the surface that it doesn't really connect anymore. Right. Or B, they fuse together. But in this case, man, we probably maximize the life of these things by essentially making them stuck together 100% of the time, and then using the apex to control it out mm. on and off. But what we did is then burn out the relay in the apex. But we could have stopped that if we would have just said. You know what? Hysteresis of like point, you know, three instead of one. Yeah. You know? I, you know, I gotta tell you, I really like having stability. You know? Well, it's, yeah. your your idea of a nice uh, temperature chart is a swing of a tenth of a degree. Uh, it looks or, pretty that way. It does look pretty. Yeah. Uh, but we find out like maybe that's a little too much. Yeah, I mean, and I think you know that, like everybody knows it. And we even talk about it in the videos, like, hey, your stuff will last longer if you, you know, don't have it turn on and off as much. We've talked about mm -hmm. that with power heads, like, yeah. you know, your wave maker and whatnot. If you have it turn on and off every 15 seconds, actually not even creating a current in that case, like little weird pulses. Mm -hmm. uh, but like in that essence, you're turning on millions of times a year, every 15 seconds, you know, yeah. like, uh, it's a ton of, ton of on off cycles. So it's not gonna last very long. So in this case, the heaters too. So, you know, this has just been like, you, you, you experience it and you're like, yep, I did the math, holy cow. And we got our money out of those relays. Flipping the light switch yeah. uh, 500 times a day. I mean, how long until that light switch or the lights burn out? Yeah, you know, and that's one of those interesting things about an aquarium controller too, is you're like, hey man, like that thing failed or didn't fail or whatever. And my expectation is like, it's gonna last for eons, mm. you know? Like I was gonna, I'll, I'm gonna like be able to, you know, will this to my kids or something. Like it's not real reasonable. Nah. You know, everything has a lifespan to it. The fact that it can tell me the moment that it broke, awesome, you know? And you know, a power bar ain't gonna do that, you know? And so right. a couple outlets on a power bar could go at any moment too, or the whole thing really. Mm. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I don't know, man. The whole thing is, uh, uh, that's a really eye opener for me. Well, like, it's like like we were said at the be like we said in the opening. Like people aren't, aren't going to believe that this stuff happened this weekend, right after the Friday episode. And well, my first thing goes. was specifically, oh my gosh, the Apex saved the 160 from both heater failures. <laughs> like nobody's ever going to believe that, and that wasn't really the case in this case. Actually, it was right. the you know the two outlets on the Apex failed, but it told us right, and so you know it's kind of a mixed story, and what we learned from it share with you guys make sure you're setting up your stuff to be able to get the most life out mm -hmm. of it set it up in a way that gives you like if you haven't set up the power monitor on your apex that's you know raise your hand right now because uh you're probably more than of you than you thought there's so <laughs> many features on the apex that like 
Man, like, I just didn't get around to setting up every last thing on all of them. There's a lot know? of different parameters. There's probe alarm and parameters and power usage alarm parameters and temperature and, yeah, all kinds. Uh, there's of so stuff. many, man. So, like, uh, the reality is, is, hey, use our experience to, like, go out and set the things up immediately, right? Like, ah, I get home, man. I'm going to, like, put a rubber band on my finger. You know? <laughs> uh, all right. So, answer some questions, man. Okay. What do we got? Uh, you pick one. Isn't a heater thermostat a controller? Yes. Absolutely. Built in. It's a standalone controller. Sometimes tied together. So like if I've got, oh, it, yeah, it's standalone, but sometimes it's built into the head of the heater. Sometimes it's external from the heater probe, and sometimes there's none at all. Mm-hmm. So. It, it absolutely is. And so people think about those like uh, like those t Phoenix titanium heaters. Just right? the element. Just the element. Yeah. It is not designed to be used plugged into uh, like an Apex or something like that. Mm. It's designed to be plugged into a temperature controller. Mm. And if you want redundancy, plug it into the, ape the, the temperature controller in the Apex. Okay. And like one of the things, man, that like, you know, like that, you know, the, you just don't think about it a lot is... The only difference between a heater, like with a controller, and a temperature controller and a heater, is that one's hardwired in. Right. Right. And so, like the otherwise, it'd be different. Like like this guy right here. So, you know, if I went and bought like a Phoenix temperature controller. Yeah. And then, uh, or a Phoenix, uh, like just a titanium just a heater, element. Right. Plugged it into something like the Inkbird or whatnot. Well, really, it's the same thing as just buying a heater with a controller. Except, Except if one fails, I can just replace the one that failed. It's absolutely yeah. like so. Uh, like the you know the heating element itself, you know, often lasts a really long time. So I can just control replace the you know the controller that may have failed. The, right. And most likely thing that failed on the controller, by the way, is probably the temp probe. You know. And so mm. I mean, some of these things you can actually you know replace the temp probe. Oh yeah. You like know, that. like uh, it. You know, is that easy just to you know go ahead and replace the part that may have failed instead of the whole thing and so by keeping them separate you know actually there's a whole lot of advantages one of the things is with a lot of those heaters the temperature probe is actually built into the head of the thing right? yeah so it's trying to read the around the heat that it's giving off itself yeah, yeah it's like heating itself up heating its own temp probe up in this case like with an external controller you can go ahead and put the probe somewhere totally different mm. than the heater itself so yeah, absolutely, man. So the it is a standalone temperature controller that's built into most heaters. Yep. It's just people don't think about it that way. They think about it as a heater, but it's not. It's a temperature controller. Well, another point too is I you think of the cost of a heater that's got one built in, or the cost of separating them out, or the cost of adding the separated ones to the apex. And like uh, you pay a you pay a thirty like you said at thirty dollars for a thirty dollar heater that has its own built-in thermostat, mm -hmm. you can probably expect the parts in the thermostat, the built-in heater, to be with thirty dollars. All thirty dollars. Three levels of distribution by the time it, it got here. Uh, you know, so five dollar like, parts in this heater. The whole thing, man. The packaging costs more than the thermostat. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, you gotta have realistic expectations. So yeah. you buy the heater itself, you get a good one, it's thirty bucks or whatnot, mm -hmm. and then you get a controller by itself is 30 bucks cost twice as much but the solution is much better yeah true right? all right what's the next one uh, would smart plugs be a viable alternative to a controller hmm so are smart plugs like those uh, things from Auto Aqua? Or? A couple different ones. I mean, you have the you have their programmable outlet ones, uh, mm -hmm. and you can tell them to do random uh, 
different things. There is the smart temp controller by Auto Aqua that you plug into the wall, you plug the heater into the back of it, and then it has a probe that goes in your tank. Uh, but you can't change the parameters of when it's going to shut one, the outlet yeah. off on that one. Um, but outside of that, uh, you would have to have a way, I would think you'd have to have a way, if you're just going to use a Bluetooth or like a Wi-Fi type of outlet that I can access from anywhere, you have to have a way to tell that the temp temperature has, it has changed and then shut the outlet off manually. Well, I think there's a bunch of those things out there that are actually specific to their purpose. Yeah. You know, smart outlet. And, like, I, uh, I think that they're absolutely viable little options for controlling, you know, some element of your tank, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, essentially, some of them are pH-controlled outlets. And right. Some of them right. are temperature or time or, you know, timer is a controller. Well, some of, yeah, some of them, well, you built-in timer on your phone with the app. I mean, if I have a house full of smart controllers and I, or smart outlets and I connect it to my Alexa and I don't have an aquarium controller, phone out, a full-out one, but I know I want to shut my return pump and my skimmer off and say I've got a, a smart outlet, I can just tell Alexa to shut them off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not really uh, it, that. There's, yeah, I mean, you're hitting a, the amount of reefers that I'll actually set them all up like that but yes the answer is kind of <laughs> no the answer is most people wouldn't do it that way so yeah. i mean it's kind of like the like can you can you have a tank without a controller absolutely double yeah. so if like an 800 dollars controller ain't in your budget true like no then i'm gonna watch the thing closer mm -hmm. and i'm gonna be successful uh if uh, i'm a gear junkie and i have 800 bucks laying around and uh, my spouse isn't going to notice when I don't buy her laundry uh, or her uh, washer and dryer for her, uh, <laughs> then yeah, man, I'm going to buy it. Uh, but, uh, you know, outside of that, man, you know, it, it really goes either way. Yeah. So what else we got here, man? Does the Apex EL have wattage monitoring? Yeah. Yes. It does. The only thing different there is you don't have zero to ten volt things, which are going to like control your, you know, some controllable pumps and and lights and yeah. some lights, dimmable lights, zero to ten volt. Yeah, like not a lot of things use that. You know, yeah. that's not the most common thing on there. Uh, ORP, which most people don't really know how to use properly anyway, mm -hmm. it does mm -hmm. give some indications into things, but like to really understand how to use ORP, eh. mm -hmm. and doesn't have salinity. And the salinity is probably the most valuable of those things, but it isn't like absolutely required because most of the things that affect salinity you'll catch probably somewhere else with a water level right. or sensor or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, it doesn't have those three things. Otherwise, it has all the other stuff, including the power monitoring. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. What else we got here? Can I use BRS probes on the Apex setup? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the pH probes are standard B and C connectors, which uh, the Apex, uh, the Apex full, the, the full version of the Apex has two. One they have listed for ORP, but you can change it over to pH if you want to for like dual pH. And um, then there's another one just for pH. Uh, and then we also have the, oh no, we have the lab grade pH probes. That's pretty much it. We have an ORP probe too, don't we? Yeah, they have the ORP and, and the single and dual junction for both pH and yeah. ORP. And so, uh, like, I don't know where Apex gets their probes from or, or whatnot, uh, you know, so I can't really say anything about them other than people seem to be happy with them. Mm -hmm. uh, but for us, you know, when we decided to sell a BRS pH probe, 
you know, like similar to like the, you know, path we went with, uh, you know, pharma chemicals and stuff. Like I didn't want like the cheapest probe that you could find, you know, like, I mean, I'd go to Alibaba and find that if you want, but, mm-hmm. you know, like I wanted the best probe that you could find. So we went out and got, you know, a probe that has a properly protected BNC connector. It uses uh, the Pellon strip as mm-hmm. the junction. There's two junctions. Mm-hmm. There's like a, a, a silicone, uh, uh, the j- junction's like made out, or not junction, but the seals are silicone. And the thing is, you know, properly made here in the United States, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, there aren't, like when you make scientific gear in the United States, it's because you want to have a different kind of standard. So, you know, I, I can't tell you, you know, that our, I, I can't make any claims as to what Neptune's uh, probes are doing. I just know for ourselves, man, I wanted the best and I wanted them at an affordable price and, and skip a lot of the, you know, uh, you know, markups uh, along yeah. the way. And so you can absolutely use those. You can use the BH probes on everything. And that's what we use here. Yeah. All right. Uh, can you explain ORP correctly? That's uh, actually over here. You were just went over it. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll explain it just a little bit. Like, it, not enough for you to be able to use it. But, uh, you know, so people often think of ORP as, like, you know, cleanliness of water, which it really isn't. Of organics? Yeah, like, it's, it's I think of it as how much organics or whatnot is mm-hmm. in the water. And what it, like, the best way that I've heard it described is, like, it's the balance between the amount of oxidants in the water, mm-hmm. which are like little cleaners essentially, and organics in the water. Like, so like the oxidative power of the, of the water. So mm. the problem is, is like, if you think about it, it's the, it's the ratio of these things essentially. So you think about it as cleanliness of the water. Mm-hmm. Well, you might have like, you know, hundred dirty things in the tank and a hundred oxidants yeah. and so your ORP would be you know like hundred let's say right I might have a thousand you know organics in the tank and a thousand oxidants and it still gives the, still the same reader it's a yeah, ratio reader. Okay. right okay and so like my tank is way 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 dirtier I just happen to have a lot of oxidants in the water as well mm. and so it isn't really a representative of that uh, and like it'll give you a window kind of in that especially on your own tank so on your own tank as you make changes mm-hmm. uh it will give you a window but like i see people you know say hey i'm going to use the x salt or something you know i did a water change and my orp dropped does that mean that salt was dirty no it really could have meant like a that you just stirred up a whole bunch of crap in your tank right when you uh, <laughs> did the water change which is likely it could also mean that 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 you know, the new salt that you use like maybe you know had less oxidants in it mm-hmm. not that it was dirty it just has less oxidants in the water right? yeah yeah uh you know so like it really doesn't you can't use it to do that kind of thing one of the things that like i would say you know people use it to make sure you don't dose too much ozone ozone yeah right so i don't oxidize the hell out of my water right uh so it's used for ozone a lot and then a little bit uh you know you could use it as a warning point for something really big died in the tank yeah right but it's rotting at this point you know like so it's adding a lot of oxidants or a lot of organics to the tank like that big tang that you lost and you don't know where it went did it jump out it's been rotten there for days yeah (laughs) so it's starting in that case it's starting to creep up and you may not even know so with uh the biggest thing i think you'd see it with is 
you know, like my son went up to the tank and decided if the fish like a little food, I bet you like a lot. Oh, you know, yeah, and so they dumped the whole thing into the thing and like, yeah, now the ORP is going to plummet. You know, tell me my kid just dumped a whole can of fish food in there. Uh, but, you know, like if you're trying to monitor water, you know, quality, uh, I think it's, there's a window into it. But don't treat it like it, it is a very clear window. Yeah. You know, more or less tells you the lights on. Terrence is uh, posting here in the Facebook, if you guys are on Facebook, he had a talk with uh, Craig Bingham. Ah, there uh, we go. Bing, Bingman, PhD on ORP. Yeah, dude. You so. know, so Terrence is about as nerdy as they get. You know, <laughs> like in a way that I call him constantly, and we have the nerdiest conversations right, right, you right. could ever have. So, like, uh, if. If Terrence is talking about that thing and you're interested in ORP, go watch it, man, because yeah. it'll probably answer everything you possibly ever want to know about it and probably in a way that the average person can understand <laughs> it. Because uh, there's a lot of articles out there, but, you know, they get they get pretty complex and kind of require a level mm -hmm. of science knowledge that a lot of people don't have. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, what's another one here? Uh, let's see. I got the Apex and the ATO. How many more water sent? sensors can I connect isn't it two more where uh yeah so if you're running the ATK it takes a okay, that's the fourth one up there uh, Micah uh, the apex and the ATO how many more water sensors yeah if you've got it's got the, the if you have the ATK which has the FMM which has four sensor points it takes two sensor ports of the FMM for the ATK to mm -hmm. run the high and the high and the low and then uh, it leaves you with two that you can put you can either put uh, optical sensors in, uh, which a lot of people probably do, so that you can go high water in the sump or low water in the sump or something like Things that. Things are going totally awry. Yeah. Uh, or you can even put, like, flow meters and stuff in those sensor you ports, too. You can also put leak detectors, And right? leak detectors, which is actually the, probably the more valuable one for me, personally. Yeah, like, it, hey, this is uh, out of top-up, man. I'm, like, trying to put too much water in here. Like, uh, there's the number one uh, indication I put too much water in is water's pouring over the side. Yeah. So, like, that... I'd call the leak detector ports on there like catastrophic failure yeah. right and so the fact that it is capable of giving you actual monitoring the water levels as well as that is, is pretty cool it's something that i don't think any other controller or, or auto top off out there does yeah i like it all right what's another one uh would you use two different return pumps to avoid common mode failure or just rely on monitor for redundancy I think um, we learned this one this weekend. Mode failure. I will tell you, like, uh, any time that it is reasonable, I will I will do two return two pumps pump. for yeah. sure. And so I'll give you an example of unreasonable. Okay. Uh, I was in the XXL 750. With right? a single return yeah. line. It's got one return line. It's metric plumbed. It's pre-manufactured, so yeah. it's not like you're drilling this thing. It's I'm not, not like you're adding your own. It. Yeah. And like I could, but like I don't want to. Yeah. You know, and so you know, in that case, I wanted to use the plumbing that's there. I also didn't want to put plumbing in the back as part of the way that you know, if I have an internal overflow, that mm. means I can you know butt the tank pretty close up to the wall. You know, which aesthetically is pleasing. Right. You know, I'm okay with having it apart, but like in that case, if I'm going to move it away from the wall, 
I want an external overflow like a ghost or reef synergy one, uh-huh. uh, you know. Yeah, the, sh- yeah, the, the shadow. The shadow, yeah. You know, so like I, I want one of those guys so that like the overflow is really minimal in the tank. Mm-hmm. But if the overflow is already in there, I'm going to push it up against the wall and I don't want to go putting new overflows in. So in that case, our new uh, return spouts, you know, in the sides. Yeah. You know. Well, if you're buying, if it's already, ha- if it already has the plumbing into it, you don't know if the pan, if they've tempered the panels and like you can't even drill it or not. Oh, in the back. So it might not that. even be worth to trying to, to drill find out. I mean, you can find out pretty easy. Well, then fluid know. dynamics, trying to figure out how the relationship between one pump pushing another pump, or do you push one pump to feed the other pump? Do you yeah. put check valves on top of oh, it? Oh, yeah. So I, I just wouldn't do it, man. Like in that case, like I just, I chose not to, and I like desperately want to, right? Yeah. And instead, I bought a really expensive pump that I rely on uh, to, you know, keep the things going. Yeah. But, like, you know, outside of that, I would try to use two pumps, return pumps, always. Mm-hmm. Any time I could use two, I would. Again, in many, many cases, two small ones cost the same as one big one. Yeah. So, like, it really isn't about money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's some plumbing fittings and stuff. But, like, you know, it's about redundancy. Again, like... If I could have like a spare heart for like when this one goes, <laughs> I take it every day. Like uh, you're on it, a list for a long time. And like, yeah. well, hey man, you got two kidneys. It was awesome. You know, like uh, you know, like one goes, you still have another one. You know, like I'll take redundant redundant stuff any day of the week. And in this case, like uh, you know, it's connecting all the filtration, often the temperature, you yeah, know, the true. filtration, mm-hmm. like e- everything, man. A lot, some a little bit of the flow, whatever, you know, between these two things. Like yeah. I don't want them to be separate just because one pump got gunged up well in most and in, in in most cases like say for example the ulm the ulm softy tank those are pretty small pumps but uh, a single one even though we're running two you know and they're fixed so they're ac pumps so they're at fixed flow rates and it's circulating the water at a, at a certain you know turnover rate uh one of those alone is enough flow to just you know at least keep the temperature of the main display and maintain temperature it may not be the most adequate for contact time with filtration or whatever you know however that balances whether you're growing a refugium or all this other stuff but at at minimum when one when and if one fails you can at least keep the tank warm and oxygenated yeah in that case but i I definitely would use check valves you know so that when Mm. one of them fails the water isn't just dumping back down the other one you know true uh and like it doesn't the check valve isn't there like to you know prevent all water so like it doesn't even need to seal perfectly it just needs to not let most of the water back down so you know, using the little flopper guys man is, is fine okay you know it really anything just to make sure that if it failed it closed off most of the way you know when one fails mm-hmm. all right so what else we got here can apex be used for an auto water change system uh absolutely with the dose here yeah uh, like so we talk about that a lot, a lot. so i'm surprised uh but yeah like that's the number one way. I, I like. I mean, when I say number one, I'm gonna say I think it's the best way to do an auto water change. And I don't use the word best like ever, uh, <laughs> because like the best just means so many things to so many different people. Yeah. But in this case, if you own an Apex or you're gonna consider buying one, like this is the one I would use. It's just super easy. You use a little task thing, and it's mm-hmm. like you know four buttons mm-hmm. to set up. It is reliable. It tells you when it's failed. You know, like it is just. I, I, I 
I think the solutions prior to the like the dose was either an elaborate system of float switches or optical switches, breakout box, different pumps, hoping that the pumps just happen to pump the same amount at the same time. You know, some elaborate programming, liter meters, really expensive. You know, uh, dosing pumps that have, you know, you know, volumizers built into them and stuff. It just you get, got really complicated, and you just end up trusting too many things. You know, yeah, so true. like you know, some of them like fill up a gallon bucket and then like empty one and fill one and empty one and fill one whatever it's all kinds of float switches and stuff on it uh some of them are using like flow meters or Mm -hmm. trusting that this pump is going to go like a you know a controlled rate or or whatnot yeah yeah and like all this stuff man is pretty wonky you know and so like the dosing pump head man it spins at the same rate you know you calibrate it it pinches off the same amount of water they're designed for accuracy Mm -hmm. the do the motor in the back of the dose like you take the thing off most of them you can look at it and say you know what this would look like a 10 cent motor from like you know the hobby store i right. get these at axe man or something yeah and these guys are big you know blocks that are clearly designed for its purpose you yeah. Know? yeah so uh you know i absolutely the answer is yes you could definitely use it for auto water change system and if you're going to do it and you have an apex i would re- i'd recommend it highly yeah how often do you re- recalibrate your probes on the apex mm. i mean this so for me the solutions are so cheap at like probably less than a buck or about a buck per solution uh I don't uh, four times or like four times a year quarterly probably uh, minimum that's that's pretty easy maybe once a month even just because it's literally like open up the task function click on calibrate the probe and then go through the series of click check let it settle click check let it settle put it back in you're good to go verify you're good yeah and so one of the things I think people miss a lot is actually like you know so you could do it like every month yeah. quarter or like you know year or whatever mm-hmm. that you want to do it on I think like one of the best ways is to change it when you need it, you know, or, like calibrate when it's needed. It's like something happened. Oh, the, the solution's so cheap that I can just dip my yeah. probe in it and verify that it's seven and I don't need to go any further. What is it, like a buck? It's, it's 99 yeah, cents yeah, for it's some like of a them. Buck. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, go get the 7.1 or you don't even need to do both, man. Just pick mm-hmm. one because mm-hmm. this isn't like a super precise thing, you know, the 10.1 or what or the 0.01. Dip it in there. And if it reads the number that's in there, uh, leave it alone. And like, you're more <laughs> likely to mess things up recalibrating than you are yeah. fixing a probe that's clearly reading the solution right. Yeah. You know? Okay. True. So yeah, yeah like dip it and it's find cheap. out. You know? Super cheap. Like so, I don't. In this case, I don't think it's like when people say when to calibrate the probe. It's yeah. not the dollar package that you have to use. It's the time. You know. It, yeah. There's a, there's some time to it. Yeah. yeah like it's a five minutes, minutes five ten minutes, minutes whatever yeah. it is. You know. And so just if it's accurate, why waste the time? That's done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, question. I was told that I can use my ORP probe for a second pH probe uh, for my cal- calcium reactor. And I assume that's related to an apex. Yep. Uh, and the answer is yeah, yes. It's absolutely true. Is uh, that like now a you do. Or something? No, you do have to go into the. Uh, I don't. And uh, Terrence will correct me here. It's not the modules page, but it's like the outlets page or, or something like that. But you have to turn the ORP outlet off inside of the programming. You dis- disable it, and then you go into it's called like a pH number two, and you and that one already comes out of the box like disabled. You enable that one, and now they're both reading pH. So the answer is, uh, I, I believe that yes, you absolutely can. You just need to switch it to you know from from ORP settings. to pH. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. What else we got? Uh, we got. Oh, 
Oh, Reefkeeper. Wait, Reefkeeper is dead, so no more updates can be made to the software. Yeah. Yeah, that also means there's no more temp probes, which yeah. is the biggest issue out there. So uh, the guy asked here the other day, like, uh, where you get one, and I made uh, Jason go in the back and scavenge uh, all the ones you <laughs> had and send them to him. We've got a small stockpile still in the warehouse, so just in oh, case hey. for some parts, but oh. now the everybody knows. Oh, let's talk about get them while they're hot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because like they're, when they're gone, they're gone. So the temp probe is the biggest one. When that thing's gone, yeah, it's there's, gone. There's dude. no more. Like, yeah. No more. Uh, and the pH probes and stuff, you can use anybody's stuff. So pH or P, whatever. Mm. Uh, they had a salinity thing. I don't think it worked that good. No. So uh, like, yeah, that's gone. But it's probably gone when it came out. Yeah. So, yeah, the Reefkeeper, man, I don't know. I mean, I noticed somebody put it up here today. Yeah. Uh, and uh, We found value in them still uh, for yeah. some testing and stuff, but. It's so easy, man. Like, I wish, I wish, honestly, man, I really wish it was still around uh, because, like, it, it was the controller. It never got to your phone or did all the right. cool monitoring stuff that, you know, that, you know, the Apex does. But like low cost, yeah. What the small control. one cost, 120 bucks. Yeah, you know, it was a heater yeah, controller, yeah. had four outlets. Yeah, like, it's it was it was nice, man. Like, and it was just like, man. I'm pretty certain that like I could train anybody to use this thing inside of five minutes. Yeah. it was so 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 simple. Mm -hmm. So uh, never. I think it's gone though. For good, but it's still here. I guess remind <laughs> us of the older years. So I don't know. Uh, all right. Uh, hopefully, though, uh, you know, I mean, if Terrence is watching, which I think he is, uh, you know, maybe he'll come out with something in that price range. Yeah, you know, awesome. like, uh, you know, like I know they're like trying to, you know, do the best job they can on a variety of things. They're trying to bring home like, you know, all kinds of things at once. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so they're definitely focusing on the trident right now. But you know, maybe down the road there'll be an opportunity to bring like a scaled down version, like that's as simple as this thing. You know, or not, it's probably the same format as Fusion, which is you mm -hmm. know pretty close. And uh, but like in a similar price point, yeah. you know, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Mm. Uh, you know, particularly it would be nice if it you got a little scaled down one and you could use it with things like this. So the you know auto water change that the guys talking about doesn't cost you know eight hundred bucks oh, yeah. plus three hundred bucks. Yeah, right. You know, like two hundred bucks plus three hundred bucks. <laughs> or, I don't know. Uh, all right. Uh, honestly, though, I tend to use a Senai to monitor more than either of the two. Ah, there you go. Uh, so the center, okay. man, that's an interesting one. So yeah, it's. I mean, if when you put it, couple it with the like the web uh, server and everything, then and you couple it to a computer, or you, yeah, you get get the Wi-Fi web server, which will uh, connect it to your email, and it'll tell you. You know, it's told. I think uh, when we had it set up here, it told you that the water level was low, and and we came in on the weekend, and sure, the ATO got shut off. Um, but yeah, it's, it's basically that's all there is to it, though. It's a monitor. Yeah, uh, so there's no control or anything, but this is what I say about it. Like, there's a lot of people that will say, "Oh, this is really cool," and there's a lot of people that be disappointed by it. Mm. You know, and so these, this is the difference, like scale of the people. I mean, so if you buy the little two hundred dollar one, mm -hmm. it needs to be plugged into a computer to work. You know, to be able to send you the monitoring and whatnot, mm -hmm. right? And not everybody has a computer next to their tank. You know, I mean, get a pretty long, you know, boosted. Uh, uh, USB cable, yeah. you know, and it'll work just fine that way. Uh, and at 200 bucks, man, it, it will. The cool thing about it is for sure that it's this simple. As you log into the thing, put your name and your email address and your phone number in there, 
and you're done. Yeah. Right. It will now you know tell you about ammonia issues. It will tell you about water level issues. It'll tell you about pH issues, temperature, temperature issues, mm-hmm. which are the big ones. You know, like I know now immediately, and like if you're not really like big technologically enabled person, like. At least you could put your phone number in a field and hit send. You got this, man. That's all you needed to do. Yeah. Uh, and specifically, if you you know use their web server thing, which is another two hundred bucks, but uh, you know that's where it starts to like kind of get at 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 four hundred bucks. Would I rather have that or would I rather have an Apex El, which is right close uh, yeah. there? They and can, eight outlets I can control, fusion from anywhere yeah. in the world, phone. Most people are going to go Apex at that point, yeah. right? The one difference, man, I guess I'd say is, say I bought a Senai, and the primary reason I bought the Senai is because I wanted a PAR meter, yeah. right? Okay, now I'm already into this for 200 bucks, right? And okay. I bought the Senai, a PAR meter is 200 bucks, like, no matter how you cut it, yeah. right? So, like, all of them out there are going to be in that price range, so I might as well get this one. And so if I got that one, I'm already in it for 200 bucks. Well, for 200 bucks more, now I can add all those monitoring things and I don't have to uh, worry about hooking it up to a computer or whatnot anymore. So if you're already investing in it, then uh, it starts to make a lot more sense. Uh, one of the things too is it does have little tabs that you need to replace. Oh uh, yeah, know? every 30 days. Yeah. Every 30 days mm-hmm. you gotta replace a tab, Slide, so part yeah. of your maintenance. Uh, I don't know if they cost 10 bucks or something like that, 12 maybe. Yeah, something. I don't know. But you know, it, it, most people like don't like anything you have to replace. But you have to replace your pH probes, you know, you have to uh, uh, calibrate your pH probes, you know, like it's all kinds of stuff that you're doing anyway, like it's no different than that. Uh, but. You know, the one oddball that, you know, they really claim to fame, I guess, is that ammonia monitoring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of people just say, like, ammonia monitoring is, like, of no value because, like, I would never test for it. Yeah. And the reality is that I'd never test for ammonia unless I thought something catastrophically had gone wrong, you know. And you wouldn't know. I wouldn't yeah. know. Like, it, because the tank, man, like, it's processing ammonia in real time. So it's, like, what it's best at, you know, after it's robust. So, you know, the thing is, though, we don't know that to be true because nobody monitors ammonia really. True. You know, yeah. like so, like ammonia, like people have random crashes all the time. You know, things die all the time, <laughs> and you don't know why. You don't know yeah, why. You know, like fish turned up. You know, upside down, man. You don't know why. Source water. So it could be that, could be not. Hmm. But I will tell you for sure, uh, ammonia spike. Definitely indication something's going really wrong with your tank, oh, it has man. To be. Oh, yeah, yeah, something's dying, man, or your filtration, uh, something disrupted it. Like, you know, maybe a power outage happened. That you know, uh, you know, like say you use like a sand or a trickle filter or whatever. You know, power outage goes for a couple hours, and then all that stuff dries out. Bacteria's gone, filtration's gone. Yeah, now it's telling you do something about it. Somebody topped off your yeah. ATO with tap water, maybe with high ammonia. Or, or yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe yeah, chloramine water, whatever. Yeah, know. like definitely that'd be interesting. I never thought about using that thing to monitor chloramines because it, it might. Yeah, well. uh, but uh, you know, because chloramines contain ammonia. So you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. Senna's kind of a weird, oddball little product, man. Like backs a bunch of weird stuff together. Some people really love it. Some people are like, oh man, I didn't realize it needs to be plugged into something uh, yeah. like oh it doesn't really control anything but I don't think it's really for that person I think it's for the person that like does not want to like you know configure anything they just want to go plug it in and put their email address in there tell me and when now be notified happen. when something's wrong yeah, true. Right? so for that person it's awesome all right what else we got in here yeah, let's see all right, well, 405, man, we got, well, there's a bunch of questions here. We'll answer three more. Call it a day. Okay. 
Alright. Would controller would a controller be the first purchase or would it be one of the last things you purchased? I'll you go first. Um I've used them before. It wasn't the first thing I, I purchased, that's for sure. Because I just was just learning about the hobby, just getting into it. So uh, I knew those things existed, but it wasn't in my budget either. I'm just getting my toes wet in the hobby, you know. Uh, but once I got deep into the hobby uh, and being a tech junkie myself, it, is, it, is, it was inevitable that I was going to get one. Um, would it be the for now the now that I know what it can do and everything, would it be one of the first things I'd purchase? Probably still not. I don't think so. Uh, if I was setting up a new tank at home, uh, I have access to used Apexes, and I have access to get an Apex, you know, from here. But I don't know if I would put one in right off the bat. I, with the four-month cycle uh, and just knowing that I'm comfortable now in my in my hobby, uh, in my experience in the hobby, that where patience I can have, and I don't need my tank to look insta tank in my house. Uh, and I don't feel like the urge to turn it into instant tank, I can let that thing sit for months on end and not be worried about whether or not the tank's temp is fluctuating and all that. When I start investing money in the, putting things in the tank, my corals and my fish, uh, then I'm going to start investing money in like monitoring and controlling stuff. So does the Apex come before or after the $3,000 in corals you're going to buy? Oh, before, before that, but after everything else in the tank. Yeah, so like... Uh before or after so this is a hundred percent a budget question right yeah because, true because like you know if you're lucky enough to say hey i want to set up a tank from ground zero and like i got an apex i got five thousand dollars to do it you yeah know, like well then just put it on the beginning man but like that's not most people so you know like we're gonna buy a tank and we're gonna buy a sump and we're gonna buy some heaters and stuff and you know in reality most of this stuff is going to last uh, at least a year or two, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's about that point where, like, things start to fail more often, right? And having monitoring in place. And so, like, as I'm, you know, budgeting money for this tank, I mean, it's really hard for me to, because I know I'm going to buy the thing anyway. Yeah. You know, so it's really hard for me to say not buy it from the beginning. But I don't need it from the beginning. Here's the downside, though. Like, you know... Man, wiring these things is a total pain in the butt, especially sa safely, right? Yeah. Like, so you got proper drip loops and stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, like, so if I can, you know, set up, if I, I mean, like, set up all the powering, the power bars and all the electrical and everything in the beginning, mm -hmm. like, and make it safe from the beginning mm -hmm. is really easy because there's no water in the tank. I can mount everything proper. Later on, undoing all of the stuff in there and then trying, <laughs> trying to install to the it. apex later yeah. is like some work yeah. man right yeah. i'm willing to do it but like if i had the 800 bucks laying around or the 500 bucks for the el i just do it in the beginning mm -hmm. because it's so much easier and i get the value from the beginning and the reality is is like yeah man a lot of this stuff isn't going to fail for a year or two but there's so many things man like how many times have you turned something off on the aquarium Thought you were going to come back and turn it on and never did. Almost every time I touch it. I, I, mean, like, I would say I, I'm so spacey, man, yeah. that like 75% of the time, that, like, this time I'm going to come back here <laughs> and I'm going to turn this thing damn back, thing back on. I'm just too busy, man. Like I oh, get even, called here like eight, 8 billion ways. People, somebody's coming trying to 
put out some fire somewhere. Even our non-hobbyists, like Dave, who runs the lights, so you'll change the lights. Now he puts his car keys yep. on the light control, so you can't go anywhere unless you remember it. I make them too, because like here, like we turn the lights down so the whole tank doesn't like blow out the whole film, you know, scenery here, mm. and like you know, we have to manually adjust it to that. And one of the things is it's going to stay there for twenty forever now. Right until somebody changes it back to the cycle mm -hmm. that it's supposed to be at, and that happened, you know. And the thing is, is nobody's here at midnight to say, "Hey, man, the lights are on. They shouldn't be." Yeah. You know, like, uh, like, and the the controller's not telling you that either because we changed the control on it. You yeah. know? And so, like, in that instance, man, like, go and put your key card keys on there. Yeah, do. But controller even better, man. Turn mm -hmm. the things on and off. Uh, you can use a feed mode, you know, whatnot. To another point, too, uh, would it be the first purchase or one of the last things? Uh, there's definitely, I mean, there is a learning curve to, to mm. some of these controllers. That's and true. so, I mean, if I've got more time in the beginning where my I can flipping switches and stuff and leaving, I accidentally leave something on in my tank and it's, say, it's that first four months when nothing's really happening in my tank anyway. I mean, I can learn then not to do that or put things in place or controls in place or you know, alerts that said, hey, you left your light on, dummy. Mm -hmm. uh, and then get that out of the way and learn that those lessons before I've already got it stocked with $3,000 worth of corals Absolutely. Uh, I guess I relate that too, man, because like a lot of the controllers don't have like a ton of, ton of stuff, you know, that goes with them. Mm -hmm. You know, the Apex got so much stuff now that like plug into it. Yeah. Like, you know, what if I decide from the day one, man, I don't want to do water, I change it. Mm -hmm. like, I don't. I don't even know what our changes are yet. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, I saw a guy hauling around buckets. I don't like that. <laughs> so like, hey man, so you can do the you know out of water change in the beginning. I can set up leaks and stuff in the beginning. And, yeah. You know, so uh, you know, like again, I mean, we're talking about like unlimited budget there again. But you know, like, hey, it's a hobby, man. Like, you know, I tell people all the time that they're like, you know, like how much did you spend on the tank? I tell them that, <gasps> like, how would you do that? And I'm like. Yeah, dude, but like, look, man, you're driving a Lexus, you know, <laughs> and so the difference between your Lexus and the Toyota, man, is like, you know, a little bit of plush, but you spent 20 grand on it. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. you want plush, man, I want an aquarium, you know, <laughs> like whatever, dude, you know, so we all like different things. Mm -hmm. You know, if you bought like a $320,000 house and somebody else bought a $300,000 house, I'm not like laughing at you about it. Like you just wanted an extra bedroom, you know, or whatever, man, I don't <laughs> whatever. know, a nicer kitchen or something, yeah. you know, I don't know. So, like, it, it, it's definitely about how much money you're going to spend on the thing and mm -hmm. when. So mm -hmm. uh, I'll just leave it there. But in the beginning, it would be nice. It's easier to do in the beginning uh, than it is later, uh, but it's budget. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, what else do we got here? Could you use a non-apex dosing pump for an auto water change? Uh, yeah, there's system. There, mm -hmm. uh, the reef... So the forums, uh, you know, back before like the dose was being used for auto water changes, uh, there's a bunch of forums and posts out there of these uh, make people making elaborate, you know, auto water change systems with float switches and optical sensors or sensors and pumps and run times and all this other stuff. It can be done. Uh, it's just, you know, for the seven clicks it takes to turn this thing into an auto water change. Yeah, so the thing you're going to need is a high volume pump, mm. you know, or a pump that's capable of running for a long time. You know, like most of the pumps that are for the aquarium industry mm. are designed to dose like a 200 milliliters a day. Yeah, that, that's yeah, it. Like, Intermittent, yeah, not even yeah. like steady on. Yeah, and so they're, and even in then they're going to last, you know, two years, right? If I want to do a, a gallon, man like it's gonna last three months you know yeah. like so it, and it might and it's gonna do poorly at it even in that three months so yeah you can go get a couple of dosing pumps uh, that you feel are accurate and capable of uh, doing the load that you want 
uh, but don't be surprised when they get pretty expensive. Like, so I was just thinking, like, what couldn't you use those FX uh, STP pumps from Camor? Oh, yeah. Those calibratable, you know, yeah. they're continuous, continuous duty, duty pumps, yeah. you know. Yep, but they're 350 a piece, right? Each. Yeah. yeah. So I'd be 700 bucks into that solution instead. So at Apex EL and this guy instead, I wouldn't do that. I, w I wouldn't go buy those pumps that way, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, personally. Uh, but if you could go, like, maybe on eBay, you could find some you know, medical grade pump, but no matter what, they're gonna be really expensive. Still expensive. So the answer is yes, you could use those pumps. In most cases, after you do the cost evaluation on it, you're gonna say, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and there are options out there like the Genesis and stuff that, you know, is, you know, instead of going and rigging up all your own flow switches and stuff, mm -hmm. uh, the thing like, you know, fills these one gallon containers or something up and empties them. Yeah. And, and I think they have good reviews. Well, you but don't, uh, I mean, in not even a Apex specific, you there are auto water change systems out there that uh, you don't need any other type of controller other than like the Auto Aqua has an auto water change system. Well, they do. And they've yep. got little tiny micro pumps that might, you know, serve like 40 gallons or less, you know, maybe 50 gallons or less or some, you know, some of those, depending on how long you want to do your auto water change for uh, but you can also swap those little pumps out with outlets that hook into that controller now you can upgrade your pumps and it's all built in you know sensor with the auto uh, the uh, ATOs built into that one yep. too so it comes ATO that's like was it 250 yeah 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 that's your auto water change and ATO which you want it to because that way you can it can tell the ATO to not turn on during this auto water change thing I don't have enough experience with it to say like I trust that thing or I don't trust it. Uh, it's just different technology. So the technology is based on measuring water levels and replacing and yeah. emptying water. Yeah. And this one is based on volume. you know volume uh -huh. and using a trusted motor head. You know that does a specific volume that's calibratable. Yeah. Like I trusted that yeah. over water level sensors for sure because we all know water level sensors get dirty and whatnot. So. This is what I'd say, is if I had a smaller tank that I really wanted to do auto water changes on it, and I felt like, you know, that, like not everybody has the same amount of time as somebody else, so like I'm willing to risk, you know, the water level sensors on it mm -hmm. versus the fact that I probably won't do water changes in like in the summer when my family's having a great time every weekend. Right. And, uh, in the winter, no problem, man. I got nothing to do. But in the summer, <laughs> man, different. So like. Yeah, on an inexpensive tank, mm -hmm. an expensive tank where I need to like want to invest. It's like buying levels, different levels of insurance. That's true, right? Like, uh, do I want a deductible? <laughs> do I want like yeah. full coverage or whatever you're saying? Like uh, uh, the non-insured, the uninsured motorist. Uh, it's like a yeah. smorgasbord. It's a a la carte, and yeah. sometimes I want, sometimes I don't want to spend, you know, my thousand dollar deductible when I get a fender bender. Yeah, I would just rather get the two hundred. If you get in accidents all the time, man, get the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, what else we got here? One, One more. We call it a day. All right. Uh, would you okay? Would you guys continue the series about high pH effects on coral growth? Yes, we are. Yes, we will, and we are. So uh, we got two of them going actually right now. Uh, I'll share this one. I'll let him share the next one. Yeah. So the high pH one. So for those of you who don't know, we we did a series on measuring uh, the effects of growth on uh, high pH. It did really really well. Uh, the visually, man, they were all blown up uh, versus the non pH ones. Coloration was way better. All kinds of different things. 
and then the, they all turned orange. Like both, of, all four of the tanks turned yeah, orange. We couldn't don't figure know what it out. It was. Yeah. Like something, I have no idea, man. What happened? It was this biological kind of looked like, but like so, I just it was just too much of a variable for me mm. to say like want to share the results, even though internally they were really compelling. Externally, man, I want to do better for you guys. Yeah. Like I don't want to have weird unknowns. So we restarted the test uh, like maybe a month ago. Yeah, I think we're pretty close to almost two months now. Is it? Yeah. Okay, so they're already super compelling results. Uh, I can tell you right now uh, yeah. that corals grow faster at high pH, no <laughs> question. Uh, but we'll get to the results. The other one. Uh, for pH? No, control. we got the one with the elevated elements that we're doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did a two-part series already on elevated elements, and that's where we took, like, the, the Red Sea Coral Pro bucket levels and then the Red Sea Blue bucket levels, and we just kind of were growing the same exact corals in the same conditions in two separate tanks at those different levels. We're talking, like, uh, what is it, 11, 11 or 11.5 DKH, you know, elevated calcium at, like, 465 or somewhere around there. Uh, and then the inverse of that, more you know, more middle of the road alkalinity, like eight, five, or nine. I think it's seven. Uh, is it seven? As yeah. low as seven? I don't know what yeah. they're looking at. Yeah. But uh, but so the difference is, well, we initially did this and we put out the results, and that's when we've also found out that the pH, the original pH test, wasn't going so well. We retested it again, uh, and we released that second episode of it, and now we put it into like a. BRS tank trials type, uh, where we actually have, rather than two setup tanks with for just egg crate and frag rack and these levels, it looks like a real reef back there. I mean, you got live rock, you got fish in there, you, you know, it's it's like a setup you would have at your home. Yeah, the only difference is we're playing with the different uh, element uh, levels, and I think I w the last time I looked at it, there's we're starting to get bases on some of the SPS, which is exciting too. So. Uh, I'll also tell you one other test we're doing while we're at it. Uh, Randy is doing the uh, yeah. mixing up salt water. I mean, we're just measuring <laughs> how long it's, it keeps its parameters. Uh, I'm not going to give away the results other than today I walked in and I looked at them. Yeah. And some of them, they all have black bottoms, like we painted the bottoms black. Some of them are white. Yeah. Just totally covered in precipitate. And some of them are black. So Wednesday is the one week mark. Uh, so Wednesday, I'll find out how the sh parameter shifted over a week. But I can tell you, like the first 24 hours, didn't really see much. Yeah, I mean, a little bit on some, man. But like now that it's been like it's uh, the Monday here, like, oh, I fully expect to see something pretty significant. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then. Uh, also, man, we're doing pH, we're measuring uh, the calcium reactor media. So, like, we oh, yeah, that's true. You got it all the way down yep. to like 6.1 or something. Yeah, I've got a, a calcium reactor set up here on the side, and we just wanted to know how what's the concentration of alkalinity at these different, pH, uh, different pHs. Uh, he thought for the longest time that 40 was the max saturation. That's the max you're going to get. I actually found that it goes up in like the 50s. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we started, I started at like 6.2, and then just increase the pH in the calcium reactor uh, for 24 hours we'd let it run at 6.3 we let it run at 6.4 6.5 so on and we just watch the uh, the concentration of alkalinity uh, go down after each pH I think you're gonna see a big window in, into yeah. you know like what is the max concentration at any given pH and you start to use that with flow rates what can we do with it yeah yeah we'll go and pick some flow rates too then and like all right so at, at you know five milliliters a minute man it's the max concentration of yeah. What if we step it up to 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 and see you know, kind of the inverse of how these things re react to each other? Because we all know that they, you know, 
have an effect on each other as you raise and lower each one. But where like, is that point? Yeah, how yeah. much of an impact? Yeah, and like I think the pH one is going to give a really good window into you know the concentration at any given pH. Then mm -hmm. if we can measure the flow rate and how that interacts with those various pHs. Man, we're going to be able to tune this thing in much more intelligently oh, yeah. and... Uh, Make calcium's reactor, calcium reactors unconfusing, easy for anybody to use as, as two-part. That's the goal. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome, man? Like, like <laughs> we keep saying, you know, you get the dosing pump, the FX FTP, like uh -huh. more calcium, more water. Yep. You know, uh, and just that easy. And if that is really how simple it gets, man, they're going to be super popular coming yeah. up. For sure. Uh, really change everything. Pretty exciting. All right, we're going to call it a day, man. We went 20 minutes over. So I'm sorry. It took up, like, what, 80 minutes of your day. Uh, you know, it's during the middle of the day, so you should tell your boss you're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm it, sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. You, you, man. You <laughs> no. wasted all my time. I've got to go test some salt water. All right, man. Have a good day. All right. Take care, guys.